Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. And have you ever thought if someone found out this about me, what would happen? How would it change my life? What would people think? Well, I'm going there today. I've got a guest that's coming on that for the first time ever on a large platform, she is going to talk about two different things that up until this point have been taboo for her. I'll talk about anything, but I won't go there. Well, today she's going there. Her name is Jade Weatherington, and she is the founder of the Teacher Jade's Writing Academy, which provides online writing courses. It came about when her daughter said she wanted to be homeschooled. And so she was already teaching online as a side hustle, but decided to make this her career. And in the process of developing her business, she began world schooling everyone with her daughter. And I mean, world schooling, yes. How good does this come? So I'm going to tell you more about what that is. And she's been doing this for the past six years. It is blowing up, taking off like you can't believe. And I have her today on the show. You're listening to The Relaunch Podcast, and I'm your host, Hillary DeCesar, best-selling author, speaker, and transformational coach widely recognized in the worlds of neuropsychology and business launches, which cultivated the one and only 3HQ method, helping midlife women, yep, that's me too, rebuild a life of purpose, possibility, and inspiring business ventures. Each week, we'll be diving into the stories that brought upon the most inspirational relaunches while sharing the methods and the secrets that they learned along the way so that you too can have not just an ordinary relaunch, but an extraordinary relaunch. Jade, welcome. I still am just blown away by your story. I can hardly wait to get people to hear it because I think they're going to resonate with, you know, what you're saying, what you've gone through and you're, you know, and hiding. So welcome, Jade. Welcome today to the Relaunch Show. Thank you so much for having me. Ah, so when we first met... It was um, such a you know great conversation as I always do when I'm uh, talking to people before they come on the show and we were going through the little like oh relaunching this and what are you doing and I just felt this huge almost like it was my intuitive hit a sense that you weren't going somewhere and as we continued the conversation and usually these calls that i have are you know they're not very long but our call our call ended up being quite a bit longer than most and when i finally you know you you finally were like all right this is what's really happening this is what my real relaunch is i asked you are you willing to go there are you willing to talk about your true relaunch? And you said, you know what? It's time. It's time to, to share this, not just for myself, but to, to have the impact on others that maybe it would help them. So I'm going to open up this stage, this global stage for you, and ask you to kind of take us back to what has transpired to give you these significant relaunches that you finally, after, you know, years of your life are willing to go there. Yes. I remember our conversation. I was like, how did you pull this out of me? I'm like, I never talk about these things. And as we were talking about like the relaunch and I realized so much of my life was focused on talking about my business, my entrepreneurial journey, but that was it. That's where I stopped talking. Like I'm only going to share this. And 
from some of my clients that I work with, I realized I'm like that's not enough. So privately, I would have these conversations with them about our personal lives because a lot of that comes into play and it looks really pretty in articles and on podcasts when you can talk about, oh, look how much money I earn. Look at the lifestyle I get to live because we only share the triumphs. We might share some of the challenges like, oh, you know, this one time I made a really bad decision. But until you actually experience that as an entrepreneur, it doesn't really it doesn't really resonate with you. You're like, okay, that's cool. But then when you start sharing like those personal bits about your life, people start seeing you as a human. Like, okay, you actually had to experience things along the way, along your journey to get to where you're at. So um, it came down to my relaunch, not really being about, oh, I'm starting this new course. That's not really what it was. Like, that's great for business, but it was really personal. So I and you said with- something before you jump in, you just said something so interesting that a lot of times, especially now with social media, we may give like one little thing and say, oh, I'm being so vulnerable. I'm being like, oh my God, I'm opening up so much to you. But it really, it's almost like it's, um, it's not truly authentic. It's yeah. like, you know, they're saying it because you know, their marketing, somebody told them, well, you need to give a little bit more. But as you've said, the impact that you've had with individually telling people, and you had mentioned, that, you know, in a very small forum, you decided, you know, okay, I'm going to share a little bit more. But as we were talking, you're like, you know what, it, there's going to be a freeing moment when I go public with everything. And so now, now let's start, you know, down that path of, you know, the journey. Yes. Um, so it was a few months ago, actually. So my daughter, she was gone for the summer. So she was gone from May 17th until August 29th. That was the longest we've ever been apart. So when I say like we world school, we were together all of the time. There was never a time when I haven't been with my daughter and those three months apart from her kind of started like that transformation. The transformation happened because I didn't have, I didn't have her to think about. I mean, of course I was still thinking about her, but my entire focus was that I was going to launch this new course. I was like, I'm going to work on this course. I'm going to get it done. But since she wasn't here, I kind of started spiraling. And I I don't want to say that I spiraled, but it's really what happened because I'm like, she's not here to make sure that I am maintaining this role that I put myself into as like the perfect mother, the mother mother who has everything together. So without her being here, I had to really focus on myself and it was hard. It was difficult. And as much as I tried to ignore all the things that were like popping up in my life, I couldn't. And it kind of hit me all at once. One day, like one day I was just, it just smacked me on the face. Like you can't keep on ignoring your other problems. And I broke down. I was, I think put the title was like hell in the hall. I'm like, yes, that's what it was. I broke we down. We discussed that part of the book. There's a chapter. Yeah, you know, like, hell in the hallway and how we continue to put all of our traumatic experiences, all of the things we do not like about ourselves. And we just, you know, tidy it up and put that behind mm-hmm. the door. And for some of us, we deadbolt it. And then we throw some uh, bricks up and then we mortar it. And then we build that wall higher and higher and we don't deal with it. And um, when I said that, you're like, oh my God, that's mm-hmm. exactly, that's what I've been doing. But during this time where you had been with your daughter, as you said, you know, mm-hmm. this, this concept of world schooling, we'll talk about the 20 different countries that you visited and how you've really implemented that um, in a in a bit. But I want you to you know, really explain a little bit more about this, you know, it, it, you have been living with this identity of I'm this great mom, I'm doing this, everything is about my daughter revolving around her that you hadn't really given yourself the space, the space to think about Jade, the space to think about what happened to you. And she's gone for a few months. And what happened? Was there like, it was kind of a, you know, were there things that were going down or did it just hit you all at once? So there were two different incidences that took place. So my daughter was in Minnesota. That's the hometown. We've been in Atlanta for over 10 years. And 
she was staying with her godmom, who's my best friend, one of my closest friends. And she was also staying with her dad. And one of the reasons I moved out of Minnesota was because of her father and his behavior. So they are still repairing their relationship. That's something that I allowed her to do. I said, this is your relationship with your father. I'm not going to stand in the way of you repairing a relationship with him, but I can't repair a relationship with him because of what has happened between him and I. And for the longest time, I'm like, I wouldn't tell her why I wasn't with her dad because she was I'm like, you're my baby. I'm trying to protect you. I don't want you. And I never want to like have her create this image in her mind about who her dad was based off my experiences with him. But you were she- together, you were together with her dad for how long? Ah, so this was, I think this is the biggest problem. I met him when I was 16. I moved out when I was 16. So I met him when I was 16 and we dated up until I was 24. But 16 year olds dating, 20 year olds dating, it's not the same when you're like a real adult and you really know what you're doing and what you want. So I spent most of my high school, college life dating him and yeah, so because she was so young, I never wanted to tell her what happened between him, why I ended up leaving him. And it was because he hit me. And the thing that was for me that was so hard was that he never hit me until I had her. So I have our I have our child and I'm like, she's two months old and I was holding her and he hit me. And I remember like running into the bedroom and putting a knife between like the door and the little, I don't even know what it's called, but the like the thing to keep the door shut. And for the longest time, no one believed me. They're like, oh, he would never do that. He's never hit you before. And then it happened to her. Um, so that's why I said they do are. You remember, do you remember what caused this, the, you know, him to physically abuse you? Yeah, we, um, so I, we had just bought a house and we had to get all the locks changed and he was going out every single night. Like he was never at home. So it was finally my turn. I was like, I'm going to go out. I'm going to go do something with my friends. It was dinner, like a day dinner. And when I came back to the house, I was locked out because I forgot to switch the keys out on my key ring. So I had to call him to come and let me in the house. And he didn't like what I had on. I had a dress on. I thought I was cute. Like, I just had a baby. Like, I finally feel comfortable in my body. And so I remember him asking, he's like, what are you wearing? I'm like, it's a dress. And the thing about it, I had a dress on with leggings. Like, I wasn't, like, I was fully clothed. And there was no argument. We just walked in the house. And I'm like I said, I was holding her. She's two months old. I was holding her. And we walked through the kitchen. And next thing I know, I, like, hit the wall and was on the floor. Um Still holding so, the baby. Yes. So I ran in the room. Well, I grabbed a knife. I grabbed a knife and I ran in the room and I shoved it in the door to lock to lock us in there. And so yeah, I it wasn't just dressed. I think he'd been drinking. Like I don't know the full story because we never we never had that conversation. He didn't apologize about that incident until I want to say it was like almost, I think my daughter was over, she was like six. So it was a good five years before he finally was like, I apologize about what I did to you. Now, did this, was this a one-time incident or was this something that continued on throughout your relationship? So that same day that he hit me, I decided I was done with the relationship. I've always felt like if you're supposed to be my protector, you can't be the person that hurts me. So there were other incidences because we still live together. Um, so it wasn't until I moved out that it stopped. But after I moved out, there was the threats. There was the, I know where you live. It was just so much. It was so overwhelming. And I was like, I'm not dealing with this. I don't want to live like this. I don't want to be scared that you're going to pop up at my home and that, you know, maybe these threats aren't just empty promises that you're actually going to follow through and do something to me. So I moved. And that that's not the only reason like I Jay, like, before I we keep going here because I know that there are probably women listening right now that are trying to piece this all together and understand he had never been abusive before. And right. he 
he does this when you're holding your two month old baby, you hit the floor, you got to grab a knife because you're really worried, you know, not even worried. You're, you're panicked about, you know, your life. And at that moment, you said something that you said that you were done. This is supposed to be my protector. There are a lot of women out there that don't take that step that think, you know, Hey, he was drinking. It was a one-off experience. What about it made you say, that's it. Like, I am not, I am, I'm not ever putting myself in this position again. I was thinking about my daughter. I kept on thinking like, is this who I want? Is this the type of man I want my daughter to grow up and be with? Mm -hmm. And that was the biggest thing. And it was hard because I also thought like, do I want to raise my child without a father? Do I want to raise her in a single parent household? Is this the statistic? Is this the label that I want placed on me? So it was, it was extremely difficult to make the decision, but it was due to the behavior after that, just as much as it was to him hitting me because his behavior after that was still, it just, it was like seeing Dr. Jekyll inside. He turned into somebody different. And then because I was so young, I started thinking like, maybe this was who he was all the time. And I just didn't notice. I didn't, I wasn't paying attention. So, so you're, would you say that it was emotional abuse after that initial physical abuse? Yeah. And, but thing is, when I look back at it, I'm like, it, it, I think when, you know, when you're young, the idea of being in an abusive relationship is this man's hitting you. That's it. You don't think about the mental abuse. You don't think about being cussed at, being yelled at, being talked about, being put down. Cause all that stuff was happening prior, but I didn't see it as that at 16, 17, 18, I'm looking at like, Oh, he really loves me, which is terrible. Um, but the treatment was abuse. It was the mental and emotional abuse that at that age, I couldn't connect those dots. I didn't realize that was what it was. And I think, you know, whether you're in your teens, twenties, thirties, fifties, sixties, I think that that's probably the biggest aha here is that there, when you, when you, and you so eloquently said it, you know, when these are the signs that is, that is abuse and emotional abuse is just as impactful and just as significant as physical abuse. Yeah. And so now you've got, you know, now you're making this move and you're, and you're going through, you know, the separation with your, with your husband and you, you had a realization come to you during this time period. And when we come back from our first break, it comes so fast, we will be talking to Jade about what happens after you decide that I'm not going to take this anymore. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by my very own Labor of Love, my most recent book, Relaunch. This book is a collection of my stories, other stories, and is a motivational guide to living a new 3HQ lifestyle, sparking your heart to ignite your life. It's available for purchase via Amazon. Get ready to try on the 3HQ method that I've been using for years throughout my entire life, reaching the next level in all areas, both professionally and personally. Get your copy today at www.therelaunchbook.com. We are back with Jade and Weatherington and we're talking about something that she has never publicly gone out on a limb and talked about those things that we always want to put behind a closed door that hell in the hallway and never open the door. And all of a sudden it came out that she needed to address this. She wanted to on the relaunch show, get this out and be able to help others. And so Jade, when we left off, you had made that critical decision in an abusive relationship, physically, emotionally, to now take the next step. 
And I'm sure that people heard you say your daughter had been gone for a few months, had actually spent some time with um, your ex-husband. And so we're like, oh, wait, 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 what's happened? And there were some pretty significant things that happened along the way. I'd love to take you back to those that those years and how you got through it and what you did to allow for this next major event, which is not having your daughter at home for a few months to actually have all of this open up for you. Yes. So I do want to correct that we never, we were never married. Never so, married. Excuse me. Yes. <laughs> no worries. Excuse um, me. Yeah. So I left um, and I moved into a new place and for a while, everything was, it was fine. Like life was just fine. Uh, I shouldn't say that. I really tell people, I'm like, I don't remember the second year of my daughter's life because I was just in emotion. I was in graduate school. I was working and I had her. So that second year of her life is really blank for me because I was just going, I was just going, I was just going, I was just going. And yeah, the, the relationship with me and him was pretty much non-existent. It just wasn't. And then he got a new girlfriend. And when they were Jade, together, before, Jade, before you move into the girlfriend, you did say something yeah. when we spoke on the break that I want to make sure that we sometimes when we talk, all of a sudden we think we've already covered it and then other people yeah. haven't, haven't heard it yet. And I want you to, cause I, I said, you know, you left, but then you said, but you know what? I didn't tell, you know, I only told a few of my closest friends. So everyone was like, what happened, right? Can you talk me and talk all of us through what what happened at that point? Because it was kind of abrupt. Like you're like, I, I'm done with this. What happened there? So if I go back to that night, I call both my best friends' names are Felicia. I tell people all the time, both my best friends' names are Felicia. But I call <laughs> my first Felicia, and she. I love that. Me. Then you can say Felicia's my best friend. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I called my first Felicia, and she came and picked me up that night. Um, she picked me up. No, she came over and she ended up staying the night with me. So she stayed the night with me. And then my second Felicia, we worked together for a couple of years and we shared an office, but we weren't that close. Like we just worked together. And one day, it was a couple of days after the incident, she said something, I don't remember what she said, but I just started crying. And so I'm in this office space for her and I'm bawling. I'm telling her all of my life. I'm telling her all of this stuff. And she was like, I would have never guessed. She's like, you have all your stuff together. Like you seem so well-rounded. Like I would have never known that this is what you're going through. And when I decided to move, I already knew I was leaving. Like I knew I was going to leave. Me and her kind of came up with the plan. I was like, okay, we're going to start an in-home daycare because I didn't want my daughter to just be with anyone. And we were both working for Minneapolis Public Schools. So we have experience working with children. I was in school working on my teaching license and getting my master's degree. So I bought a house, I bought another house and we were going to make it the home daycare. And then I was going to live upstairs. So this new Felicia comes into my life. And when I finally signed the purchase agreement for the house, I was like, I'm moving out. I'm not taking anything. All I'm doing is taking my daughter's bedroom set. She called her dad and her brother who had never met me, who didn't know what I was going through in that house. And they pulled up to my house on a Saturday morning and they helped move me out. And so that solidified my friendship with, I was like, you don't even know what could have happened, but you were there to take care of me and to help me out. So that's why I'm like, my two Felicia's, they've been there for me through everything. So they are the only two people who know exactly what happened that night that I've ever shared it with. Are people going to be listening to this? Friends of yours that are going to be like, what? I had no idea. Yeah. And it's because I tried, and I don't want to say that I'm trying to have this persona of someone who has everything together, but it's just so difficult to say that at one point I didn't. And not to say that I was. Uh, hold on. <laughs> That's the interesting part. The reason that we as women don't want to, and even men, don't want to share the, the, the things that we feel are like the bad things about us. Mm-hmm. It's because, as you just said, it will blow our identity of who we're trying to be, our persona. Mm-hmm. And that is something that then we hold this in, right? It's like a volcano that's going to erupt because you can't. It's just you're being someone that 
you haven't shared, you're not, you know, you're not willing to go there. And that was such a traumatic experience for you. And I know you've had other traumatic experiences as well. What, what at this point do you, do you also want to share about this? So I will say this, um, cause I don't want to leave the gaps in there, but I stayed in this house, this new house for two years and then I moved. So we talking about like relaunches and like, I feel all the time I tell people, like, I don't have chapters in my life. I have books. These are <laughs> books. Um, because it's like the point, Chronicles of Narnia. It's like yeah. you know, Harry Potter. It's like, there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. So at one point I was just, I was over it and I decided to move to Atlanta and I'll say the reason I moved to Atlanta, I came down to Atlanta for my 25th birthday. I was like, this is where I belong. I, I don't like snow. I don't like being cold. And that's Minnesota. So I packed up my car and moved. I left everything. I was like, if it doesn't fit in this car, it's not coming. So that was the start over. And that's a pretty significant reset. (laughs) It was big. It was pretty big. Um, But the thing like with my daughter, when I say she was with him this summer and that she also experienced the same type of abuse, it was, it's been three years from the time that he hit her to now where they've been repairing their relationship. Again, your daughter is how old? She's 14 now. Okay. So she's 14 and it's been three years. So at 11, she was hit. Was she ever hit? It was nine. So she was nine. nine. Um, That was the first time. That was the first time that there was a physical abuse. Yes. Do you believe that there was emotional abuse as well? So she didn't, she didn't spend that much time with him. Mm-hmm. And so for that to occur, it, re- it was upsetting because I'm the mom I'm trying to say, okay, there has to be boundaries. And the thing is, as an ex to someone and as a woman, if you don't let the man see the child, you become labeled as being bitter or upset or angry. I'm like, I'm none of those things. This is their relationship, whatever relationship he wants to have with her. But did you ever feel for her safety? Like during those, because you knew that he had been volatile with you. Could you, or did you think about going and saying, no way I am absolutely not going to have, you know, this, you know, person anywhere near my daughter. Yeah. There was, I was terrified. And when I say that, I'm like, I, everything inside of me was like, no. But I also, I kept on mixing my own experiences with my dad, with my child, like growing up without a dad. I'm like, I don't want her to not grow up without her father. And so I did mention he, when he got in a new relationship, I felt like it was safer for her to be over there because I would tell the girlfriend like, hey, if anything happens, call me, please let me know if anything happens. And the hard part was some of the members of his family didn't believe me. They're like, oh, he would never do that to you. He's never, he's never put his hands on you. Why would he do it now? And there was an incident when she was over there for Thanksgiving. I felt safe and comfortable having her over there because his family was there. This is at nine? This is when she was nine years old? This was prior to her being nine. Okay. Okay. Maybe three or four. And because we moved down here when she was four. So we weren't there too much longer after I left him. Um, But I got a call from one of his sisters. And she's like, you need to come pick Jayla up because he just hit the girlfriend. And he did it in front of everyone. And that's when the phone calls the, I'm so sorry. I didn't believe. I can't believe that this is who he is. I'm like, I don't care. Like, I just didn't care. I'm like, I don't need your apologies. I don't need your sympathy. I don't, I never needed you to believe me Mm. because I was there. I experienced it. And because you saw with your own eyes, now my story's true. So um, we moved and she didn't see him for a few years. Like they talked on the phone. And one summer it was, and the reason why I remember everything was because it was in August. It was my birthday. I was going to California and she was staying with her dad. But let me ask you, I got to I got to push on this because when you know that he had hit you now, he'd hit the girlfriend. Why put her in a situation with a guy that is that volatile? 
again, I think a lot of it came with the perception of like how I would be seen if I keep my daughter away from her dad, mm. even though he's even though he's displayed this behavior because nobody believed me, I was like, if, if I try to keep my daughter from him, mm. it's going to be put on me. I'm going to be seen as the bad person for not letting her be with her dad. Mm. And so had, had you spoken to, I know this is so tough. I know. Had you spoken to him and had he said, you know, I'll never do anything to her. I'd never do anything because tell us more about that. Yeah. So at one point, and when I said moved to, to Atlanta, I was back and forth a lot. I was always back in Minnesota. Um, and I remember I was coming back up there to sell my house. So he still lived in the house and I was selling the house. I told him like, I'm selling this house. I had two houses at this point. So I was like, I'm selling both of these houses because nobody's paying their bills. I'm like, I'm a terrible landlady. Nobody's paying their bills. So mm-hmm. I went back up there and we had a discussion. It was very civil. It was very mature. And we, when I said the conversation was, that's when he apologized. That's when it, like the apology came out. And I don't know if it's just because of the way I am, but I was like, I understand we were young. We were trying to create this family structure that we both didn't grow up having. And your behavior was the behavior that you experienced as a child. So what you did to me was what you thought you were supposed to do as the man of the house. Mm. So his belief systems, his belief systems. So yeah, people can never escape their belief systems. Yep. And I think that, I mean, it took a while. I'm like, okay, you know, I can look at it from that perspective. And he'd been doing great. Like when I say he was going to, he was telling me about going to um, counseling and going to, I think they weren't AA meetings, but they were like somehow like drug and alcohol addiction program that he was going Mm -hmm. to. So by the time we get to my baby being nine, I'm like, okay, I see it. Like I can see the change in him. I can see it. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, because I wasn't, physically around him to see it but from that one conversation I felt like okay this is safe this is fine he is stable he's in a relationship with the with the same person and I trust her enough Mm. to protect my child um I allowed her to go there while I was gone and what happened she called me at it was like maybe seven or eight PM crying. And she told me that he hit her. And I'm in California. My baby's in Minnesota. The first thing I do, I call my sister and I call my Felicia's. I'm like, somebody go pick up my baby. And did your daughter did. tell you what, what happened? Mm-hmm. Um, she was, I guess there were some cousins or family members over there and they were play wrestling. And at the time, my daughter was taking self-defense classes. So she was playing with one of the little boys and like putting him in like one of the positions that, you, you know, when someone's attacking you, you're supposed to defend yourself. Right. And he got upset and he was like, she's in there humping, humping the boy. I'm like, humping? I'm like, my baby was not exposed to anything sexual. So she, that's not what she's going to do. You don't know her. So you don't know that this isn't, that would be out of her character. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, that was his thing. He just kept going with it, going with it, going with it. I said, you're the problem. Like if you looked at what she was doing and assumed that she was doing something inappropriate, that's on you. That's not on her. And it just kind of set some things off. And it wasn't even, I don't think the situation would have been as bad between her and her father, but my sister showed up first. My, no, my, actually, no. My Felicia, my, my other Felicia, she showed up first and she picked my daughter up. But then when my sister pulled up, she came with her husband and she tried to fight him. Like she was hitting him, pulling him out the house and trying to fight the girlfriend. And so then he also tethered on today and was like, oh, you sent someone over here to mess up my home. And I'm like, no, I, wasn't, I sent them to pick up my it baby. It sounds like even that he wasn't 
it was like in a delirious state. Like he didn't even understand what he had just done to his daughter. Yeah. And there was, there were so many excuses and it, it just went on for a while. So August, my birthday, my daughter's birthday is in October. And so her 10th birthday was coming up, but at that point they just, they weren't talking anymore. They weren't talking at all. I wasn't speaking to him at all. And the communication I had was with one of his sisters. And I just, I sat down with my daughter and I told him like, you get to decide what type of relationship you're going to have with him. And for two years, there was nothing. And then she called him. I don't remember if he called her, if she called him, mm-hmm. but I remember standing outside of her door and she was just yelling at him. She's like, do you even love me? Why can't you just tell me that you love me? And he was like, well, your mom, your mom. She's like, my mom doesn't have anything to do with this. So I'm sitting outside her door, listening to her yelling at him. And it brought me back to like my own childhood when I was like, oh, what conversation would I have with my dad if I had a chance to talk to him about not being there? So is your dad, really, is your dad now passed? No, my dad is alive. I, last time I saw him, I think it was maybe four or five years ago. And I only went to go see him because my daughter said something like, she was like, well, he's your dad. You can at least try to talk to him. And this was like, when she was five, I was like, Oh, l- listen to the little baby. Hmm. So I went to go visit my dad and nothing came of it. I was just like, hey, we have some boundaries. You can call me once a year. That's it. I don't want to have you're hearing being outside your daughter's door. She's talking to her dad is bringing up a lot of these memories that you didn't have a good relationship with your own father. Yes. And so now you're allowing your daughter to forge through whatever type, whatever type of relationship she wants. And was the first time that your daughter was willing to see um, her dad again this last summer over the the 90 days or had they seen each other prior? So after they, I hate to say they made up, you shouldn't have to make up with your child. Mm-hmm. But after that, um, they would do days. So if we were in Minnesota, she could stay with him for the day, but I wouldn't allow for any overnights. I see. Yeah. That, that would be very difficult as a mom to leave. Well, unfortunately we have to take another quick break. And when we come back, I know that we have more to go into that you want to share for the first time globally. And also I do want to make sure that we talk about this global schooling and what you've been able to do with your daughter and so many others. So don't go away for too long. We will be right back. This episode is brought to you by my very own Labor of Love, my most recent book, Relaunch. This book is a collection of my stories, other stories, and is a motivational guide to living a new 3HQ lifestyle, sparking your heart to ignite your life. It's available for purchase via Amazon. Get ready to try on the 3HQ method that I've been using for years throughout my entire life, reaching the next level in all areas, both professionally and personally. Get your copy today at www.therelaunchbook.com. Hey there, we are back with Jade Weatherington and we're talking about those things that you hope nobody ever finds out about. And Jade has decided today on our global show that she is going to go there. We've talked about abuse that she has experienced. We've talked about abuse that her daughter has experienced and we're going to continue down this path because yeah, there's another story that she's going to be bringing out today. But I know Jade on the break, we were talking and I know you wanted to make sure to say a couple things about why you were willing to allow your daughter to be present with her dad, even after there had been the abusive situations. Yeah. So after she had this conversation with her dad, I 
had another conversation with her individually and asked her what she wanted. And a part of that is she's her own person. I never had those options. I never had a choice in what type of relationship I was going to have with my parents. And I asked her if she wanted him to be a part of her life. And she said, yes. And when I say with so much sincerity that she still wanted her dad in her life, I couldn't tell her no. I, I mean, I could, but I didn't want to. I could have just like, no, it, that's just not what you're going to have. So um, it took a few years, again, like a couple more years where I felt comfortable with her being with him. But there were some stipulations. I'm like, she can only be over there if the girlfriend's over there. There's no more overnight. She cannot spend the night. And I made sure, I'm like, you have my Felicia's numbers. You have your uh, my sister's numbers. I'm like, as soon as you feel uncomfortable, you leave. I don't care. You leave, you walk out. I will call you an Uber, where, wherever you're at. Was she still taking those self-defense classes? Yes. I mean, yeah. Badass <laughs> girl. We're going to make sure you are prepared. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I think that that's really important because it really stems from a something that happened when you were young that, as you said, you know, you didn't have the opportunity to have relationships with your mom and dad and you wanted to give your daughter the ability when she was old enough that she could make her decision. And for those that don't know, when you are, um, you know, starting to even get close to age 14, a lot of times the courts will say the child's going to make the decision, right? I mean, that's like, that's what's allowed that it's their decision at that point. So you were really trying to build her up um, to be, to be able to make the decision of what, you know, how do you want to handle this? This is what happened. So can we talk a little bit because they're, you know, the root of all of this comes from a situation that happened when you were young and another significant relaunch for you that you have always said, not going there. I'm not talking about it, but I think that today you said, you know, and I even asked you a break, are you, you know, still okay doing it? And so can we, can we talk a little bit more about your youth? Yeah. So, um, I think a lot of what I've always done whenever I felt like things weren't perfect, there's like, there's no such thing as perfect is always told myself what's worse for other people. So no matter what has ever happened to me, I always said, well, it could be worse. So I don't actually sit in the things that have happened to me and deal with it because I push to the side and I make myself think that it could have been worse. So at the same time, while my daughter was gone during the summer, she ended up staying with her godmom most of the time. She'd call me maybe, she'd like, oh, I'm at my dad's house today, but I'm going to leave later. And while she was out there um, for these three months, she didn't see my mom at all. My mom didn't reach out to her. She didn't call to see her. And the relationship with my mom is pretty similar. And your mom lives right near there. Yes. So it would have uh-huh. been super easy. It's her granddaughter. You know, mm-hmm. it would have been super easy for them to see each other. Yes. And so I was really upset because she hadn't seen me or my daughter since 2018. But I own a home in Minnesota. So it's not like I haven't. The last time I was there wasn't in 2018. We'd been up there every year every single year we go to Minnesota like we're there all the time and it was just really upsetting I realized that a lot of my parenting a lot of my mothering comes from trying to be the opposite of my mom and so when my daughter had to experience that she asked me she was like hey is my grandma gonna come pick me up at all and I'm like she hasn't called you yet I'm like you haven't seen her you haven't talked to her And when I say like, there was a lot of little things that just triggered me. That's what led to my spiral. That's what led to my breakdown. Cause I was so upset. I was just like, I can't understand why we have the relationship we have. And I can't understand why you would continue that type of relationship with your granddaughter to the point where she's asking me, why don't these people who say that they love her, who you would think are supposed to love you and care for you and protect you and all these things that your little ones are supposed to do. Don't do it. So a lot of what she experienced triggered me. Cause I'm like, Oh no, as much as I try to do as a mom, she still has to share, not share these experiences, but she has to experience the same things I've had to go through. 
at a younger age. Really interesting what you just said, because a lot of times we want to protect our kids from everything. Mm -hmm. And what you realized is that at that point, you, you know, you, you can't, circumstances don't allow you to, you can't jump into somebody else's body and say, you know, do this is what you should be doing. Did you call your mom? And did you say, no, you didn't even want to go there. You're just like, that's who she is. What happened between you and your mom when you were young that she hasn't, you know, really been there for you? I don't know. And I think that's probably the hardest part. So when I was in um, graduate school, one of the licenses that I was working towards was for parent education. Mm-hmm. And so I was working with families and it was parent education. So it was about how parents can become parent, better parents. And one of the assignments was to ask our parents these questions. And so I remember sitting down asking her all of these questions and still not getting answers. So I remember asking my, why did you let me move out when I was 16? Why did you like all these things that I asked her and it really boiled down to her saying, I knew you could handle it. And so for me, a lot of my behaviors now, even people I know, they're always like, you never ask for help. You never ask anyone for anything. And I'm like, because I can't, I'm like, if my mom tells me that she knows I can handle everything and then makes me handle everything, what other options do I have? So a lot of stuff that I just had to figure out by myself. So what is it that triggers you so much when you told me initially, I don't want to, I don't want to ever talk about my mom. I think it just came to the point where I finally feel comfortable being okay with not having those relationships. And what you're saying right now is that you're finally okay with letting people know I don't have a relationship with my mom. Yeah. And not so much just letting people know, but I feel like being okay. I don't, I don't know if I'm okay with it. Like it sounds great. You say, Oh, I'm okay with it. But realizing that a lot of how I behave is because of that relationship. And I don't know. I don't really, I don't think I'm okay with it. No, but it's interesting because this is the first time that you've talked about it. And it's, um, what happens if your mom hears this show? Well, see, I have this very, (laughs) when I, when I'm tired of people's behaviors and my boundary is to block people. So if she hears the show, she has no way of contacting me. She might say, but if she did get in touch with you, what would you say to her now? Or what would you want her to hear? I feel like we've had the same conversation so many times that I don't know if there's anything new that can be added to it. If there's ever an explanation for why you could say, I birthed you and then I made you figure everything out by yourself. Do you love her? Yes. You love your mom. Mm-hmm. I think that that's probably the best thing that you can say. Yeah. And then once you have that ability to not have somebody hold you back from who you're going to become and you step away from being a victim and you start taking that, you know, almost that, that path to being victorious in whatever your life is going to be, you take back your personal power. And so the reason I said, you know, do you love her? Yeah, I love her. And she no longer has control over me. That's pretty powerful. So Jade, this has been so incredible. Before we um, wrap up here very quickly, you have this global school. You took your daughter to 20 countries and share with us, you know, briefly how that's impacted you and your daughter. Yes. So a lot of things revolve around me trying to be this mother that I wanted. So when my daughter asked me to homeschool her, I initially said no. (laughs) And then she gave my aha moment. She's like, you already teach online. And that was, yeah, you're right. I do. So we once again sold everything we owned and we planned this world schooling life. And we just started traveling around the world. Like 2016, we went to nine different countries and during this time period, I created my online school. So at the time, it was called Ashante's Academy, which is my daughter's middle name. And it's now Teacher Jade's Writing Academy. And I 
offer online writing courses to youth ages eight to 18. And the academy was going well. So I expanded, I was a solopreneur and then I started hiring teachers. So now I have teachers that offer my classes and I also have my Get It course that teaches teachers how to teach online. But it all kind of stemmed from my daughter's desires. Like if you see a lot of life revolves around her. That is so amazing. Where can people get in contact with you? Yes, um, my website is www.teacherjade.com. I am on Instagram at teacher underscore Jade. I am on Facebook at Teacher Jade Helps. I am on LinkedIn as Jade Weatherington. And we got a, we got a lot of places. We'll put all that in the show note. But I just want to say at this point, as we're wrapping up, for those that are listening and you have had you know some insights into what Jade has shared has shared today, realize that this has come from a lifetime of experiences that she finally today was willing to go there, willing to share actually three different um, major things that she had just closed the door on her mom, her daughter, as well as herself in, in different forms of abuse. And I really want you to, if you're in that type of situation, please get help. Please make sure that you put yourself as your top priority and get safe and get on that journey to a better life. Like you've heard now, Jade has schooling. She has all these different wonderful things going on. She has, you know, a a terrific mom to her daughter, Jade, thank you so much. And just can't thank you for, for having this conversation with me today, everyone next week, we're going to turn it up yet again. I have Joanne Molinero. She is known as the Korean vegan. And what if you had a super successful career and through a instance in life where you decide to go live doing something you love, it turned into a mass phenomenon on TikTok, may I just add. We're going to be going there and you're going to hear from Joanne. We're going to have a really awesome conversation. But for now, I want you to really look at your own life, assess where you are, live now, love now, and it's relaunch time now. We'll see you next week, everyone. You've just heard another episode of the Relaunch Podcast. If something shared in this episode resonated with you, please head over to iTunes right now and leave us a five-star review and share this episode with others to inspire them to take the small steps that lead to a life full of purpose and possibility. And remember, you can have immediate access to the show notes and any giveaways at therelaunchco.com backslash podcast. Until next week, now is your time to relaunch your transition into a transformation.